0: This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. The Great Courses has a collection of lecture series geared towards professionals, including Scientific Secrets for a Powerful Memory, How Conversation Works, Art of Public Speaking and Influence: Mastering Life's Most Powerful Skill. These series offer great tools and insights for anyone looking to improve their recall at work, hone their presentation skills, or become a better negotiator. And now, for a limited time, The Great Courses has a special offer for Weekly Standard listeners. Order any of these four business and presentation courses for just nine ninety-five. This special price of nine ninety-five is only available for a limited time. Order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com/ws to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com/ws. Welcome to the Weekly Standard podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. It is less than an hour after the big GOP debate, and Bill Kristol is here to tell us definitively who will be the nominee in 2016. Bill Kristol.
1: I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> very short podcast. Very short podcast. I mean, isn't that the big story of these six months? Is only though Jeb Bush was going to be the prohibitive favorite, and then for a while maybe it was going to be Walker or Rubio. Then we had the Trump surge. The truth is, it's very easy to explain why none of those actually going to win. But it's but one of them will win, or someone else could get in the race. God, even knows. Or Carly Fiorita starting off on the JV team. It's like one of those um, kids, you know, sports stories. Or start off on the JV. You have a they bring you up to the varsity and have one good game, and then you end up winning the championship game for your for your high school, you know? So maybe Carly will uh, will, will, will go all the way. It's uh, It was an interesting evening about it, didn't you
0: think? So if I can't get you to commit to who the nominee is, which you're absolutely right, can you commit to who will be viewed as a winner and as a loser when this is over?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think tonight, uh, you know, it's hard, actually, voters don't always agree with pundits, and pundits don't always agree among themselves. and. First impressions can be a little misleading. I think Carly it was very good in the first debate. I think Donald Trump was weak in the second debate. Um, he had the most time, but in a way that just uh, gave him more chance, gave voters, I think, more chance to see him not at his best. He's at his best when he's dominating a one-on-one interview or giving a forty-five-minute speech. He's kind of then he can be entertaining and amusing. But here he was uh, not very specific when asked real questions, testy. And generally, I thought, you know, the kind of these, it was probably inevitable, you know, when someone has a kind of mystique, you know, all right, Trump was almost becoming bigger than life, you know, and he's up on the stage, there are 10 of them, you know, once the others are intelligent men, they, uh, and women, if you count Carly in the first debate, um, they're not going to will speak because of Donald Trump, he's a bit of a buster, and you look at them, you listen to one answer after another, and you suddenly think, I don't know, really, Donald Trump is well qualified to be president, just Scott Walker or Marco Rubio, or some of the others. So I think it was a. I think this. I've been saying for two weeks, maybe three weeks. I, I'm scared to even look back and figure out how long it's been that we've seen peak Trump. I, I really thought uh, that he would plateau and start to fade. I was certainly wrong for the past two weeks, so he kept moving up in the polls. I kind of really do think now that we've seen peak Trump,
0: though. Well I think it will depend partially on which group of voters you ask but I will say as someone who's actually worked on Republican primaries and Republican presidential primaries that having a guy start off the night by saying well if I don't get the nomination I may run against you and cause Hillary to win. Not exactly the best opening line. (laughs) It's kind of like approaching a young lady at a bar and saying got any better looking friends I don't yeah. think this was a real that was so off-putting that I really think it skewed the view of Republicans who you know people who plan on voting Republican when they tuned in the people who don't really care they're just out there they're going to vote any you know they were reform party Perot party they'll be fine with them but I think Republican primary voters are, which kind of went what holy crap
1: yeah I and mean, you should have expected that it was a pretty obvious question I was talking with a couple of people about it a week ago that was certainly really one of the questions but uh, I would have asked him over there, and they did I wouldn't uh, maybe have asked him right at the beginning, I, but uh, I think it was probably a good decision to do that. And he should have, I mean, he obviously knew what he was going to say, which was no, but then he has to explain that. I mean, the presumption is if you're running in a party's primary that you're going to support the party nominee. That's 98% of the time that happens. The people who've run third, successfully as third-party candidates recently, Jesse Ventura, governor of Minnesota in 98, Perot in 92, not successfully, but got a lot of votes didn't run in the primary, so they were pure independent or third-party candidates, you might say. So running in a primary and then going third-party is kind of unusual. If you're going to plan to do that, you have to have a rationale. You have to say, what are these, or three few of these candidates on this stage are just unacceptable to me. I don't think, or, you know, some we re- I mean, you have to have some either ideological reason or kind of personal reason or something. You can't just seem sort of petulant and, well, I'm a big shot and I'm just, I don't play by the rules and I'm just going to, Keep my options open. So at the end of the day, if you're kind of if you really hate the Republican Party, he didn't really give you a good reason. Trump didn't give you a good reason even to be for him in that respect, right? I and mean, he didn't attack the Republican congressional leadership. He didn't say I can't live with this party that has foisted A, B, or C on us. But if you're not going to say that, you probably should just say you're going to support the nominee. So I, I think i was I think you're right to, to point to that. I think that was a big moment. It deflated him right at the beginning. I'm not sure he ever quite recovered from that. He got testy with Megan Kelly, which is, is silly and probably didn't help him. I gather he was testy testier about her in the uh spin room afterwards. So um I, I don't know, you, you, you don't exaggerate how important the debates are and then voters aren't you know, now make their mind up. based simply on one two hour block. They've seen Trump a lot and a lot of them have come to like him, but Again, I think the momentum has certainly stopped, and I think it may
0: reverse for Trump. So, uh, I I, I agree with you. I think the uh, loser of the night clearly was Donald Trump. He was the one guy who definitively did himself some harm. A lot of people just were kind of there, and they were fine. Did anyone jump out at you as really overachieving in the same way that Carly Fiorina, the consensus is overachieved in the 5 o'clock debate?
1: No, I thought... Cruz showed you what's impressive about Cruz and Rubio. What's impressive about Rubio? And I don't mean that in some kind of uh, you know sarcastic way, but I really believe that they both impressive politicians and interesting candidates, and they were good at doing things the way they do them. Walker was very you know. What's, as I think all three of those Cruz, Walker, and Rubio didn't surprise me, but I thought came ready to perform and performed well. I thought the other, st- but I don't know that it changes. I don't think. Let's say, watched one of them and thought, "Oh my God, I'm going to suddenly, you know, go to him." How could be reminded? I've that He's a very good debater and is a good. It has, you know, it has, it has some, is witty and has some good prepared lines. Um, I thought the other story tonight was Jeb Bush, who just seemed to me to be flat, um, kind of uninteresting, and again, not not more impressive than the rest. I think that's the key. If you're a Trump and you're 25 percent of the polls, that went off in the twelve. You're supposed to be better than the others, and he wasn't. If you're Jeb Bush, made 20 million million, prohibited front-runner as of six months ago, you're supposed to sort of be on that stage and do things in a way that people say, say, oh yeah, well Bush looks really better prepared than the others. I don't think one came away with that impression. Bush wasn't terrible, but he was no better than Cruz, Walker, Rubio, Huckabee, uh, and even some of the others. So I, I think it was a very bad night for Trump. Not a good night for Bush, which is why I think your first question was, what do I think going to happen?" Well, I don't think Trump's going to be the nominee. I really don't think any more you could even say Bush is the favorite to be the nominee. So, who knows?
0: You know, as always, Bill, you're so compassionate and gentle. You're too nice to people. Um, <laughs> Bush had a crummy night because not only was he flat, but he was flat selling stuff that the republican primary voters don't want. He was flat selling amnesty, he was flat selling common core. So, you know, Donald Trump it was really bad at telling people what he thought they wanted to hear. <laughs> Jeb Bush was really bad at telling people what he knew they didn't want to hear and he looked so the only thing impressive about Jeb Bush tonight was how unimpressive he was. He was he had he had a monumental ma- amount of lack of monumentalness. He was he, <laughs> he's if you had just shown up you'd think, yeah, this guy's somewhere between like uh Christy and Carson, right? And that that's yeah. how he played.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I, I don't know why he didn't come a little more fire and would maybe have one or two distinctive points he wanted to make. The other thought I had watching it was especially those last closing statements is um I like Scott Walker. I think he did very well actually up till the very end. But his closing statement was, you know, I've been a good governor, I've done A B or C. And especially these governors, they really want to tell you their record. Casey did that too, and Christie. It's uninteresting. And then what assumes, you know, they're on the stage, right? The President of the United States, what assumes they were competent governors? What well, certainly says they're going to say they were good governors, so, you know, what's the point? And it's pointless. It's pointless. They're much better off doing giving an account of what they'd like to do for the country or telling a story almost the way Carson did or being sort of funny about themselves. Um, I thought it was really, I think Walker who I like and respect, and I, I had to bet on one person to be on me. I, I might bet on him in of right now, but um, I think he needs to get beyond running on his achievements as governor of Wisconsin and run a little more on what he's going to do as president yeah, the
0: states. And that's interesting because I found Walker not that impressive Rubio is the guy that I thought kind of sprang back out, back up and you know he'd kind of been getting lost in the middle in the latest poll that we reported on the weekly standard, he was back in fourth place in Florida, you know, in 7% and you just saw I think you saw what makes Rubio potentially very special. Tonight he took every opportunity he's given and used it. and then Chris Christie reminded you that he's a great debater, but I think that Chris Christie and Mike Huckabee remind us why uh, great there's there's usually very little connection between did you do well in the debates and did you win the election? that they're just two different skill sets. And Chris Christie tonight, I think people watched him and went, "Wow, he's a great debater for a guy who's never going to be the Republican nominee.
1: No, that could be, and I, you know, that's, it's a good point. I mean, uh, we're doing well in a debate or doing well on a particular question or exchange isn't the same as being presidential or being convincing people that you should be president. I think. Look, I thought generally, let's just step back for a minute. Um, generally, it was a good night for the Republican Party. I mean, you watch those two debates, and you thought. You know, none of them is perfect, and I would myself like to take, you know, two parts of Rubio, one and a half parts of Walker, some Christie, a dollop of Huckabee, you know, mix it all together and have a perfect candidate. The world doesn't work that way, but uh, it wasn't 2012. There was you didn't cringe. It wasn't embarrassing. Um, Trump wasn't even, I mean, some of the establishment types who really hate Trump, but he would be terribly embarrassing, disrupting, if you think of what we were reading a day or two ago. He could disrupt everything, ruin the debate, make it a terrible debate. That wasn't the case at all. So it was a good night for the Republican Party. Um, I think a bad night for the Democrats. Think of the Democratic debate, which are we ever going to get one? I guess we're finally going to get one one of these days. Is that going to be as interesting? I really doubt it. I really doubt it. You've never seen Bill Crystal? Came out, came, came out against the Iran deal. So uh, it, was, it was a good night for America, actually.
0: You know, Bill, you have never seen Lincoln Chafee unleashed the way I have. So I'm telling you, just strap yourselves in for October 16th in Nevada when the Democrats finally take the floor. But I think you make a great point about the if which party would you want to be a part of after you, you know, seeing what you've seen the last you know the last 48 hours with a bunch of Republicans sounding smart, sharp, focused. You know, very few faux pas. And then you have uh, Hillary Clinton, a criminal indictment going on. Chuck Schumer is going to uh, come out against the uh, the Iran deal even though the Iran deal is still going to pass but he's going to come out and make it that much uglier for Democrats that's clearly the momentum overall is with the, uh, with the Republicans so the final question to wrap up is Where would you recommend the party and the candidates go from here? Would you say, for example, look, this went well. Maybe they should throw together some casual forums of their own. You know, just say, hey, you know, Christy, I'm going to be here. Why don't you guys show up? Or uh, should they uh, focus on grassroots, stick to their knitting? Where would you send the GOP today?
1: I would send them into. Uh, really mitigating the Iran deal. I mean, you say that it, it of course, probably will pass in the sense that Obama will probably have enough votes to sustain his veto. though I think the odds of that are added out like fifty to one when they were thirty to one, you know, two weeks ago. So I don't think it's a done deal, but i I was struck by the response uh, when um, a couple of candidates had strong answers on the Iran deal and how how we actually had a very strong statement of how disastrous it is uh, for the country. And I think we're going to have a big debate on this deal and its implications for Iran itself, for the Middle East, for America, uh, and Hillary Clinton has come out in, fra- in favor of it. And uh, I guess all the Democratic presidential candidates except Jim Webber are in favor of it. If Joe Biden runs, he'll be in favor of it, of course. Uh, Sean Kerry runs, he'll be in favor of it. President Ford is in favor of it. So let's really, tell- I mean, this is an educational moment for the next month. The Republican Party is uniformly against the Iran deal and the kind of foreign policy it stands for. Uh, the president of the United States, his cabinet, uh, every Democratic presidential candidate except for James Webb, uh, thinks this deal is the way you should do foreign policy, and that could be a very illuminating debate for the country, I think.
0: In fact, I think that's the lesson to take away, is that when Republicans debate uh, both each other and show the many, many different ideas and approaches they have, and they debate the Democrats, they tend to do well, and I hope we'll see debates on Iran, on Planned Parenthood, you know, forget the voting, make have hearings, you know, make people come up and defend it, uh, the IRS mess, which we now have more information on, make Democrats defend this treatment of citizens, the uh, Hillary email, make people defend it, because obviously Republicans can handle a debate if they can uh, get into one, so let's hope they'll have more.
1: Yeah, and I think they shouldn't be scared of debates, you know, that's one other thing we learned from tonight. Seeing more of these guys isn't going to hurt. I think it's going to help. They're a big, uh, diverse group, interesting group, a lot of different people on the stage there. A couple of them will, you know, will drop out over the next month or two, and then the numbers will get more manageable. But, uh, no, I feel, I've, I'm sure I'll get to, something will happen to get me depressed in the next two weeks, <laughs> maybe the next few days. But as of tonight, as of tonight, and, uh, as August 6th becomes August 7th, uh, I feel pretty good about the Republican Party and pretty good about their prospects in
0: 2016. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time on this late night. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check out weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.